have this friendly against Latvia, which is a little bit of a nothing game. It could be interesting that game now if it is the case that this is when Evan Ferguson starts and maybe that's his chance. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Time to turn our attention back to the big story of the weekend in terms of football and uh, that is the fact that Arsenal are the real deal. Um, They established that over the course of the first half of the season with 50 points, just the fourth team in Premier League history to manage that. I'm delighted to welcome Simon Collings from the Evening Standard to the show. Simon, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Um, what is the what are the the press conferences like? What are the players like in the aftermath uh, over the last I don't know six eight weeks? What what's the actual sense that you're getting when you're when you're talking to these players and you're seeing them interact with each other? Because um, one of the things that keeps coming across is the sense of unity that they have, and you can't fake that. No, you really can't. And I think those scenes that we saw at full time yesterday at the Emirates, I can't remember seeing anything like that since it was open in two thousand and six, and. And the way it was celebrated by players like Zinchenko, Gabriel Jesus, you know, these are guys between those two players, they've won eight Premier League titles. And the way they were celebrating that, you can see what it means to them. And, and if you speak to people at the club, this change in mentality that has happened over this season has been key with those two guys coming in and not accepting that Arsenal won't compete for the title. And, and Zinchenko was one of those players who spoke after the game yesterday. And he said, when he came in, he, he told the squad, look, we, we can go for the title here. And a few of them laughed, but I think now they're starting to believe that something special can happen. And it's everywhere you look at the club, the fans, Arteta himself, there is this sense of unity that for years hasn't been at Arsenal. And finally, it's clicking in what could be a really special season. In a weird way, the fact that the, the two lads who came from Man City haven't played every minute of every game and been the outstanding, the only two players who are carrying the team, it's even more powerful that they're saying that because you're seeing everybody else step up and take leadership roles. And it's that sprinkling of young players in the spine of the team who are winning games and deciding games with, them, with obviously the, 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 the support in various stages of um, you know, Jesus before the injury and Zinchenko since he's come back. Uh, but it is amazing that like uh, the, the psychological impact that they've had has been backed up by the players who were already there. Yeah, and, and I think it probably helps that they've come into a young dressing room who are happy to be moulded and sort of follow their lead. And and Jesus in particular, I think people at the club, Arteta knew his personality, but I don't think other people at the club realised what sort of person he was. And he's been out obviously for these past sort of six weeks with a knee injury, but he's basically been at London Colney the whole time. You know, he's stayed around the group. He's actively helped Nketiah to be ready to step up, you know, talking about young players in the spine of the team. And Ketis had to come in and lead the line in a title-chasing team, and he's done exactly that. But he's had Jesus being there and support him. And I can't remember seeing many teams with substitutes bench who celebrate like Arsenal do. You know, these are players who aren't getting on the pitch, and they're still celebrating as if they were there, the ones scoring the goal. So it's absolutely huge. And to have this spirit, I think, is really the key to Arsenal's success right now, and it's boring out on the pitch. I think you described Eddie Nketiah, uh, Simon, as... as an unlikely hero in the, in the post-match mm-hmm. or your, your match report. He's been brilliant. He's just stepped up massively since Gabriel Jesus was injured, which I think has taken a lot of football fans and Arsenal fans, uh, to be fair, by surprise. Yeah, I think Arsenal fans have, have struggled to be convinced by Nketiah. It, it thought at the end of last season, you know, when he 
he came into the team and had a good run when they came so close to getting top four that, that he might have won them over. But still then, I think fans were very much, the jury was out. But if you speak to most Arsenal supporters now, I think they'll accept that they they appreciate what Nketiah is. And he's he's more than just a backup striker. I think he's really stated his claim to be someone who should be getting plenty of minutes. And the one good thing for Arsenal, I think, when Jesus got injured is that as bad as it was, it happened before they went to Dubai for that sort of mid-season break. So they knew as soon as they landed in Dubai, right, we've got three weeks. We've got to get Nketi ready because he's starting on Boxing Day at West Ham. You know, if this had happened around sort of New Year's Eve when the games are coming thick and fast, I would have been intrigued to see the impact. But the fact that Arsenal had that bit of luck you need in, in big seasons to be able to get ready and say, look, Nketi, you're the man for, you know, two months or so. Get ready to step up and, and full credit to him because he's taken the opportunity which if you ever speak to him, that is, he said that's all he ever wanted. He never he never demanded to be, you know, taken as the number nine, but he said, give me a chance, let me show you what I can do, and then judge me. There's even the fact that they just haven't been behind in games for too long, like this this entire season. And and when Rashford opens the scoring for United, you're thinking, okay, United could push on here, even though Arsenal were on top. But Arsenal's response, like it has been all season, was was quick and effective. Yeah, and, and the, the thing last season was Arsenal's failure to come come from behind. I think that that Wolves game um, sort of in February last year was one of the few times where they were trailing and came back. But this time, every home game where they've gone behind, they've gone on and won it. And the players, when you speak to them, a big thing they say is the new atmosphere at the stadium. And, and you would have noticed it when Rashford scored that goal yesterday, which is the sort of goal that would, would suck the life out of most stadiums. Fans were just standing up cheering the team on. Odegaard in the middle of the pitch is waving his arms, Arteta on the sidelines, cajoling everyone. There's, it's a sort of mentality that, that, that champions have that they will win eventually, we will get the goal. And I think that, that was seen by the fact that, you know, they were just behind for seven minutes and then they're level. So that is a big change for Arsenal and that's what big teams do. You know, they don't trail for long, they, they find a way back. Can we talk a little bit about Arteta and um, the, the team building over the last number of years as well? Because... Um, at various stages, uh, the the form didn't quite match what he thought they the team were capable of, and uh, it wasn't nailed on that he was always going to be supported the way he was in the off season last year. What was it about him that allowed him to kind of come through the difficult periods in the past? I mean, the the, the big thing for him is that he always had complete backing from the club. You know, there was. Externally, I think he was under big pressure, particularly in that sort of COVID years. But the Cronkies were absolutely convinced that Arteta was was the right man to lead them. And, you know, they went down this path of fully backing the manager to the extent where the squad has been overhauled to, to fit him. And the cultural reset he's done has been massive. You know, if you look at the team yesterday, they're basically all his players, all their academy graduates. He has got everyone on board that he wants on board. And I think... For someone like him, who we, we saw glimpses of it in the Amazon documentary, um, who is a very hands-on coach, quite sort of out-of-the-box thinking, again, likes team bonding and stuff like that. I think he did struggle in, the, in that COVID era, and it's perhaps understandable that he did because he couldn't really operate the way he was. And given the problems Arsenal already had in the, in the dressing room at not being united, I think that really exacerbated the issues he had. But the support he had from the club, I think, was vital because... For me, if he was in the situation at different different top clubs, I couldn't see him surviving it. Any uh, negatives to take from from yesterday, Simon? I mean, I guess after United equalised for the second time with the Martinez header, there were a few mistakes. Tommy Yasu wasn't brilliant when he came on for Ben White, and Ben White was taken off for a reason. He wasn't great himself. Um, 
any concerns or worries as you head into the tail end of the season? Or the second half yeah. of the season, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it feels strange. It doesn't feel like the halfway. It feels like we're further down the line than that. But mm. um, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't think Arsenal were great in that first half. I felt like they were a bit sloppy. You know, the Rashford goal is brilliant, but Partey's is pretty loose with his pass and then gets gets skinned by him. Um, ben White, who has been very good in, in fairness, you know, picks up a yellow card and, and plays like a player who's who's worried about being sent off. So, uh, still for me, when I look at Arsenal and the concern I have is is the strength and depth. I know they brought in, in Trossard, they're bringing in Kiwawa, the Polish centre-back, but I do wonder if if you, you know, you lose, they've obviously lost Jesus, but if you lost a Thomas Partey, if you lost a Gabriela Saliba, a Ramsdale, how would that squad cope when the spine is really damaged? You know, City, we've seen going to Chelsea and bringing off Grealish and Mares off the bench. Arsenal can't quite do that. And when the fixtures do get really congested in the April-May time, that for me is when we're going to see if the squad depth is an issue because so far Arsenal have sort of breezed through every test. But I think when we get to that business end of the season, they're going to need to see the full strength of the squad and that would be my concern. But right now, they've got to be favourites for the title. We saw some nice flashes from, from Leandro Trossard when he came off the bench as well. Simon looked lively. Um, and I know the disappointment of missing out on Mikhailo Mudrik was, was there for a lot of Arsenal fans, but he's not a bad replacement. And then Jakub Kivior, the TV cameras, uh, pulling up, panning up to him at one point as well, the Polish defender. I mean, a couple of smart acquisitions, and they haven't exactly had to break the bank either. No, and I think they've pivoted well from, from Mudrik. Uh, uh, Arsenal you know, fans and the club themselves disappointed that that didn't happen. I think even more so when anyone watched that game at Anfield and saw his, his cameo, how bright he was. But... You know, look at someone like Trossard. I think you saw exactly there the benefit of signing someone who is completely ready to go because Mudrik hasn't played since November, obviously. You know, Premier League proven, you know what you're going to get, throw him straight into a game of that magnitude and he fits it, he gets the pace. There's no no settling in time. And I think back to that Newcastle game where Arsenal struggled nil-nil. If they'd had a player like Trossard coming off the bench, things could have been a bit different, I think. And then Kiara is, yeah, someone who more sort of fits the mould of what Arsenal want to do in terms of their transfer business. I think Trossard is outside of that, given his age. But Arsenal wanted a left-sided centre-back who could compete with Gabriel, someone who's tall, someone who's strong, someone who's good on the ball. He ticks all of those boxes. And at the price they're paying, which is about sort of £21 million, there's hope that, you know, you've got some sort of good value and resell in there as well. So... Good business, I think, from Arsenal. And also, they acted fast because a week ago, certainly on social media, Arsenal fans were sort of pulling their hair out thinking, you know, the window's dead, we've missed our top target. And the club, give them credit, have, have reacted quickly to that. It's funny how football comes in waves. Like, you look at the Arsenal United, as we were saying earlier, Gary Neville described it as retro. There was a retro feel to it yesterday. And mm-hmm. with Liverpool and Chelsea struggling at the moment, of course, City are still there and thereabouts. Um, but... Arsenal and United back where they want to be challenging. Now, United won't exactly challenge for the title, you'd imagine, on, on the basis of yesterday's, yesterday's result. But there was a bit of a nostalgic feel to the whole thing. Oh, massively. And the style of the game, I think, fitted it. You know, it was like a basketball game that it was so sort of end-to-end. And and those were the great games of, you know, the early noughties between Arsenal and, and Man United. And I do think un, under Ten Hag, United are going places. They Even from the start of the season, you can see the, the massive steps they've taken and it was interesting, you know, when we started our chat, didn't we talking about mentality and the changes? And Ten Hag in his press conference made that point saying that if, if United want to take that next step, if they want to win trophies, if they want to win titles, they need to change their mentality. And I think they've started on that journey. 
but you can see Arsenal are just a project which is just a few years ahead of them. Mm. And that's why I think, you know, the title this season might be a bit far for United, but for years to come, I think they will be a team that should be challenging at the top because like Arteta, they've got a coach who is ready to come in there and rip things up and get them done the way he wants them to be done. Yeah, and he's a he's a hard ass uh, in the same way that Arteta is, and you can mm. see that he, the discipline is something that the players are responding to. I, I do want to just ask you about that mentality, right? It's an interesting talking point ahead of the Manchester City games that are, are coming up, because in the long run, if they were to draw the league game and get hammered in the cup game, mm. it doesn't matter. But I don't know what like footballers and the psychology of a team and a squad... Does he pick his full team for the cup game and try and beat Manchester City and say, look, now we can do this? And Or does he need to? Is, it, is there like just a little bit of uh, cutting his cloth over the next couple of weeks that he needs to be careful about? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. I, I think the schedule will, will help Arteta because of the fact that obviously they go on the Friday night to, to the Etihad and then they've got a full, well, they'll have over a week until the Everton game and then they'll have another full week till the Brentford game. So it's not actually too congested in terms of, you know, if players would be fit enough to play. And I would be inclined if I was him to go with a fairly strong team because, you know, you are right in the sense that in terms of the league table, there's no there's no points on offer. But the the psychological impact, I think, of going to City and getting turned over, particularly when, you know, you're playing them in two weeks, I think could be quite detrimental to a squad that, you know, are really going on the right way forward. And it reminds me, I think it was... Might be 2007, 2008 when Arsenal were pushing for the title and they sort of wrote off the FA Cup and Man United took them to the sword. And the impact that did have on their league campaign was seen then. And I think for Arteta, he certainly won't, you know, throw in a load of kids, which he never does in, in FA Cup or Europa League. But he will bring in some players. But it wouldn't surprise me if you saw someone like a, a Gabriel, an Odegaard, maybe a Saka, just some sprinkling of first team players because I think you've got to keep the momentum going right now. I don't think you can afford to say, let's get rolled over by City, we can focus on the league because right now there's something building and, and everything that can help to that is is massive. The fixture list is pretty sweet after that for like most of March into early April. Uh, you mentioned the Everton game. It's Everton, Brentford, and then obviously the massive game against Manchester City. But after that, it's Villa, Leicester, Bournemouth, Fulham, Palace, Leeds and then Liverpool at the start of April. Now we can count chickens because uh, we don't have to play these games. The the Arsenal fans, I presume, are desperately trying not to count their chickens. But that's about as good a run of fixtures as you could hope for at this stage of the season. Yeah, massively. It does make me think, <laughs> what's April May going to look like? The back end of the business season. But yeah, I, in those run of games are where Arsenal are going to want to take advantage. And they're in that. We can see the advantage they're building already because if they win their game in hand, whenever that's rescheduled, which is, is Everton at home. You know, there'll be eight points clear of City. And to have the luxury of playing Man City twice, knowing in theory you can lose both games and you will still be ahead of them in the league table is huge. And they should be looking at this run of games as well, thinking, look, we need to get as many points on the board here. So when we do get to those huge crunch games at the end of the season, they've got that buffer to play with, which is what they didn't have in that top four race when obviously Tottenham pit them last season. So it's huge for them. And, um, you know, the, the interesting thing you say about not trying to count chickens, I was on the tube coming home from the game and there are a few Arsenal fans in there saying, look, well, at least we've definitely got top four now. We've got top four. Um, so they're still trying to not get carried away, even after a game like that. I think um, they're just trying to keep their feet on the ground, but it's proven pretty difficult. We've gone through something similar as, as Irish football fans with Evan Ferguson and uh, all the different types of goals that he's scoring at the moment. But I can only imagine what it's like to be an Arsenal fan watching Bakayo Saka 
become an absolute global superstar at the moment. Yeah, he's he's become. I mean, if you think back to that sort of Euros final and the way he's elevated his game since then, the mentality of him is is, is ridiculous. He's just relentless. And coming up against Luke Shaw yesterday, who for me has been probably, if not the best football fullback, one of the best fullbacks since since the World Cup came finished and the Premier League returned. Saka was absolutely on him all game, taking him on, beating him. And for someone so young to be driving that team forward in a title race is incredibly impressive. And it's why Arsenal are you know, so desperate to tie him down to, to a new contract. And all this talk about Mudrick and new wingers, I think Arsenal fans would just be happy if, if Martinelli and Saka signed new deals. Just a quick word, Simon, on, on Granit Xhaka. You wrote a piece in, in advance of the game talking about how vocal he is recently and how much of a leader he's become. Hard to believe. You think back to him being stripped of the captaincy at Arsenal in 2019. He's the, the vice-captain now. But I mean, there was even a video on, on Twitter I saw of him in the in the you know warm up ahead of the the North London derby, and he's properly vocal, as you say, and really encouraging his teammates. He's come a long way, Granit Xhaka. Hugely, and I mean his his story is probably you know sums up Arsenal's redemption as as a, as a club and you know as a whole because he was a sort of a lightning rod for criticism and and the issues that they had at that club, and the way he's come back has has been incredible, and I think he has actually. He's benefited from not being the captain. I think he was someone who doesn't really need the armband to lead. He is just naturally a leader. Um, but there was, I think, people wondering how would he cope being the sort of vice to someone like Martin Odegaard, who is quite a quiet person, quite calm. But actually, they play off each other really well. And for Xhaka to be in this position now, where he's sort of leading Arsenal as one of the key players towards possibly a Premier League title, is yeah, it's pretty unbelievable given the situation he was a few years ago, and it sums up the Arsenal story, which I don't think many people can really believe at the moment. Yeah, I, and I know they're, they're pinching themselves, and the fifty points is remarkable, but at the same time, kind of almost unnoticed. Another hat trick for Haaland, and whatever little blip he was in for a week and a half, however long it was, is <laughs> over. And so there is a strong possibility that um, you know Manchester City do go on one of those runs where. Um, they've got some dirty petrol out. He, they've been roundly accused of lacking effort by their manager, and the fans, the, the fans have been at the end of it, tongue lashing as well. So, like, it looks like we're going to have a proper title race. I think so. Yeah, whether Arsenal go on and win it, you know, I think you, I think you can, you justifiably debate it. But they look like a team that will last a distance in terms of staying power, and I think that is the thing you always look at with City is they are a team, which we've seen historically they've done in seasons gone by, that can go and stick 10 wins on the spin together in the last you know 10 games of the season. They can do that. And yeah, the narrative around Erling Haaland, I think, lasted for about a week that City might be better without him. I think that's been <laughs> quite quickly put to bed. Um, I think if you've got someone who scored four Premier League hat-tricks in his first six months, he's probably going to be a pretty good player for you. Yeah, City could easily do 50 points or more in the uh, second half of the season as well. Mm. So uh, it's game on. Good stuff. Thanks a million for joining us this morning, Simon. Cheers. Thank you, guys. OTB AM. With Gillette, get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.